Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kasesanov. Music and sound. We know so many people these days are beginning to really appreciate how important these two things are for our well-being and our health. And I think everybody knows that when you're in a bit of a slump and you put on a good tune, it just makes you feel better. So music definitely has a very powerful effect. And for that reason, I am so honored and absolutely delighted to welcome as my guest this week, Barry Goldstein. Barry is an author, speaker, producer, and composer. His musical experience spans many styles and genres, and he has composed and produced for television, film, major record labels, and top 10 recording artists. He has reached the Billboard top 10 albums on the, in the New Age charts with New York Times bestselling author Neil Donald Walsh. He has composed and produced music for Don, Dr. Daniel Armand, Greg Braden, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. Joe Dispenser, and Anita Morjani. He's also composed live music for Doreen Virtue, Michael Beckwith, James Van Pra, and Colette Baron-Reed. Barry has hosted several radio shows, written articles, and facilitates workshops on utilizing music, sound, and vibration in the healing process. His music is being used in hospitals, hospices, cancer centers, and medical practices. Barry, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today, and welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. I'm very excited to talk to you. So just so that the listeners get to know a little bit about you, um, obviously musician, composer, I think that's something probably that you had burning inside you from a very young age. But I'd also be interested to know that what actually kind of pushed you into this kind of genre of music or this direction, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, my musical um, history you know, of, of getting into this type of music really stemmed from my own stresses and challenges, you know, in becoming a music producer full-time in New York City, you know, with a lot of timelines and deadlines and, you know, taking a hundred hours to produce a five-minute song. And, you know, um, I really started to lose my love of music because it was becoming a job for me, even though when I was younger, that's really all I wanted, you know, was to become a music producer and a composer. So sometimes, you know, what we ask for comes to us and, you know, we have to really adjust and re-examine what gives us passion and what gives us joy. So I, um, I knew that I needed to come back to my heart and the love of music, which started at a younger age. And I did some research online and I just typed in, on, online music and the heart and what came up to me was that our heart rate at a relaxed state is 60 beats per minute and because our heart is the metronome within our physical body and music also has a metronome that we can utilize music to entrain to a more relaxed state so when I discovered this I said wow Maybe this is the key to coming back home to my heart is to target my own heart at a relaxed state. And I started taking these journeys where I would set my metronome to 60 beats per minute and I would just allow the music to come through me. So really the opposite of what I was doing at the time in pop songs where I was really strategically composing, very detail oriented, I decided to more of decompose with music as opposed to compose it you know specifically and what I found was that I was going to these deeply meditative states while I was composing and um, it really assisted me in moving through my stresses and my anxieties um, and I had no idea that people would even listen to this music because it was, I was like who's going to listen to hour-long pieces of music that don't have a lot of melody um, and, you, you know, it wasn't in a normal format that I, that I was used to composing in. But when I played them for friends, um, some of which who, who were massage therapists and were working in, you know, the healing arts, they said, you have to put this out there because it, it's exactly what we were looking for, something that doesn't go from song to song. It's perfect for sessions. So I put it out there. 
And before I knew it, I was getting testimonials of how this music was being used, which, which was, which I named ambiology. And, um, you know, we would get started to get testimonials from people who were going to dentist offices and using it, um, people who were using them <clears throat> to deliver children into the world, uh, people using it for hospice to help loved ones transition. And um, that's really where it started for me. That really kind of created a curiosity of why that music was working in that way, which led to uh, me writing a book later on called The Secret Language of the Heart that really gets more into the science of why all this works. And uh, that is kind of the, the history of, of how this all started. Fascinating. It's, it's so interesting that, that often a personal journey is, is involved in, in these kind of like, um, you know, finding our way in life, if you like, that, that sometimes we have to solve our, our, solve our own problems in order to actually make something which is then a gift to the world. And your music certainly is. I came across your music a while ago, but it was very reinforced um, through uh, some of the work with Dr. Joe Dispenza using that for um, his meditations, and, and he's very science-oriented. So perhaps could you tell us just a little bit of that science, of, of how this all works? You talked about the metronome of the heart, but could you go into that into a bit more detail? Yeah, well, what we're talking about when we're, we're talking about targeting specific heart rates or targeting specific brain states, we're really talking about entrainment. So entrainment is really the ability for our internal, um, our in, uh, an internal time to connect and synchronize with an external time. Or, or in the case of heart entrainment, it's beats per minute. So that's what I was talking about with 60 beats per minute. When we're talking more about brainwave frequencies, we're talking about um, the brain synchronizing to specific frequencies or specific hertz. And, you know, we, what's going on now is we can actually create what I call designer music, you know, where we're specifically targeting, for instance, relaxing our heart, or we're specifically targeting um, calming our brain down and slowing our brainwave from high beta, which is our active minds to alpha, you know, which is a more relaxed state or theta, which are where our creative, um, you know, our creative inspiration usually happens. So, you know, in combination with the composition itself, we can implement specific technologies, heart entrainment or brain entrainment to target our body to come to a more conducive state to healing. Because when we're slowing our heart rate down, when we're moving to a more relaxed state, what's really going on in the physical body is we're moving to what's called a parasympathetic state. So that is where our body is in a more relaxed, a more peaceful state. And it's more conducive to our physical body operating optimally. You know, so operating where our digestion is improving our immune response is improving our internal pharmacy is being activated and producing beneficial hormones in our body. And it really all stems, you know, from moving to that relaxed state where our body can slow down and send out the amazing um, amount of information to the rest of our body systems to work more effectively. Great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the vagus nerve system, I think, and the parasympathetic nervous system is something which is coming into the understanding in the medical world of its, of its enormous significance. The logical question for me there is when you talk about music and you talk about sound, we always think of hearing the music. Right. Um, um, so one assumes that our only point of entry is through the auditory sense system. Do you believe that's true, or do you think music has an effect on us in in other ways, just then through the ears? Yeah, I mean, for me, it happens in a lot of different ways. But I think there is um, there is a communication, as I said, you know, through tempo, through entrainment. But I think most, I think the biggest misconception is that music is something that happens to us. I like to think of it as music is something that happens in us. 
So we already have music within us. We already have sound. We already have vibration in our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. We have a heartbeat. We have our breath. Right? We have a lot of sound going on within our physical body. And this interacts with the external music. So when we learn to listen in a different way, and that's you know part of the reason my book was called The Secret Language of the Heart, because music is actually a language that's speaking to us in a physical way beyond just the ears you know i'm sure that you've experienced um listening to music where you feel it in your body at the same time as you're listening you know you can feel the bass you know um in a song actually vibrate inside your body or you can feel that high end um the higher frequencies sometimes you know up in the top of your head excuse me, you'll, you'll feel God bumps or goosebumps when you listen to something. So this is all um, how we hear music beyond just the auditory. Right, right. I have a very poor understanding of music. I have to say it's not one of my gifts. I love listening to it. I have a great appreciation for it. I have no understanding in how to make it or how it's structured. But one thing I am aware is that throughout the world, there are very, very different systems of music from sort of scales and tonal ranges. Um, Why do you think that is? Because to me, I would think that something like music is such an intrinsic part as we just talked about, about how our body works and how, how our whole systems appreciate it. How, how are these different um, branches of, of musical styles, if you want to call it, how do you think that happens and how does it come about? I'm thinking specifically of things like, you know, more Asian type of musical systems and, and the Indian systems. They're very different right. to our oct- normal eight octave system in the, in the West. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would give an analogy of, you know, the different languages that exist within different cultures. You know, why do we have different words that represent different things in different languages or different systems that are all not the same in terms of communicating? Why didn't we just have one language, right? <laughs> or even within that language, you know, there's different syllables or different communications. Some, um, some languages are easier to learn than others. Right. Um, they're, you know, they're just different types of communication with like, as you said, within Indian music, there are a lot more tones where we move mostly in half steps and whole steps within our uh, within our musical language. And I think that is just part of culture and part of how music was initially communicated within that area and just really different forms of expression, you know, for for different cultures. Right, right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Going back a little bit to the, this idea of, of the heart and the metronome, um, which I, I totally get. Um, I, I was listening to um, an interview with Stephen Porges. Stephen Porges is, is a famous scientist who developed the, the polyvagal theory. And he was talking about how the fact that very kind of low frequency, bassy sort of tones tend to actually be, and very sort of monotonous tones tend to be very aggravating to the to the system, whereas more light, higher frequency, melodic tones are more soothing and calming. And he said, for example, if you think about the way a mother speaks to her child, that she has this very kind of melodic, you know, coochie-coo kind of voice, whereas sometimes children can be scared scared of their fathers because they tend to speak in a lower um, tone and it's and it's more kind of um, it's more monotone this is obviously something which is really intrinsic in in our systems Um, what do you think the relationship is between speech language the way we speak and music is it just sort of like a logical extension do you think they're two different things I find this really interesting I mean, I think there's a lot of factors that are tied to it, um, because obviously, if I talk in a low, soothing tone, right, that can also be soothing. But if I raise my voice in terms of the volumes or the decibels, right, that can then be invasive to someone. So volume, um, volume actually plays a role in those frequencies as well. It's not just a matter of the frequency itself, but also the amplitude and the volume that you're speaking at. Mm-hmm. Um, another part of that 
also is emotion, right? So I can say, I love you, right? Or I can say, I love you, right? And one has the emotion of it behind it and one doesn't. So, and we can feel that, you know, as well. So we can understand when someone is genuine, most of the time anyway, or someone is ingenuine, if there's emotion in that or there's not emotion in it as well. So, and I think these are the things that pertain to music. And sometimes I don't want to say it's an oversimplification, but I would say that it's, a, it's definitely a recipe that occurs, you know, within creating music and also within language as well. You know, our, our emotion behind our words the same thing with music is that, you know, again, I think of it as a recipe where there's frequencies that might be beneficial in there. There's harmonics and the composition of it. Um, but there's also intention, right? Where you want to create an intention of that music being in a, in a loving space, for instance. But there's also that e the emotion that has to match the intention, which is similar to emotions matching the words. So I can have an intention of creating loving music in my studio, but if five minutes before I go into record, I have an argument or something really has triggered me, right? Then it's not gonna be in resonance with my intention. And my belief is that all of that is recorded in the music and we can feel all of that. So, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a long-winded winded answer but i believe that there's a lot of factors when we're talking about it. it's not just straight ahead um and this is my experience well low frequencies are not beneficial or high frequencies are more beneficial you know it's really about what you're using the music for what's the intention how do you want to use it because in using music for sleep you know there's uh, there's many studies there were meta-analysis of music studies that show us is the low frequencies, the long tones, and at about 60 beats per minute are low and slow, right, are really what's beneficial to us in when we want to go to sleep at night. Now, if you wanted to use that same music for being motivated, right, and starting your day, then it's probably not going to work for you. You know, if you have a leadership meeting and you want to ignite some motivation, you know, you're going to listen to something else, you know, or if you have um, a loved one who you're going to visit in the hospital and you want to really connect to, um, you know, to be in a space of love, you might want to listen to more angelic music. So I think it's, for me, the big question and, you know, something to share with your listeners is, you know, just like me, uh, medicine is better when it's individualized, we don't want to create a panacea or a prescription for one person because, you know, that person might not agree with that prescription or it might not be great for their body, that each one of us really is our own sound healer. And I always ask myself, where am I now, right, in my, in my emotional, physical, spiritual, mental body? What do, I, what do I feel? And where do I want to go, right? And then what piece of music is going to take me there that I either have already in my playlist or I want to search for. And this is really where we start the conversation about music beyond art and entertainment, you know, music for creating transformation. Right, right. And it certainly does. Do you, I mean, I know a lot of your music or most of your music is, is generated electronically. Um, what, what's your feeling about that? There's a lot of purists out there who would say, anything that's digital isn't real, it should be analog. So, you know, pick up the old instrument and play it. What's your feeling about that? Uh, well, actually, uh, most of my music is both, you know, so I incorporate, um, you know, again, for different pieces of music, I incorporate different things. Some of them are, are using analog or acoustical based instruments. Some of them are synthesis. We, you know, we can't, my argument would be, we really can't get all of those specific ethereal frequencies just from acoustic instrument and um you know just like paint you know think of it as an artist when i hear a sound that's what inspires me so having a library of of, of 
of vast sounds as well as designing those sounds through synthesis because I know what I'm hearing in my head. I can create those sounds from synthesis where it's, it, it's a little bit more challenging to do that on acoustical instruments. I'm not saying you can't, but um, just having these colors and these palettes at my fingertips you know, puts me in a state where I'm inspired. And I believe ultimately that most people um, are the same way. They receive something, they hear it, they think it's beautiful, it opens their heart and makes them feel expansive, or they hear it and it doesn't resonate with them and they move to a more contracted state. I don't think that most listeners, and obviously they're all purists, are as concerned with something is analog or digital as we think they are. I think people want to be moved by music. Yeah, and, I agree. You know, ultimately, you know, we we are creatures of of who seek enjoyment, right? And we seek pleasure. And whatever that medium is going to be for them, they're going to either resonate with it or not. So um, that's my take on analog and, and digital. I don't think there's a right or wrong. And I think for each composer, it's different. For each listener, it's different. And again, you know, finding that way where you listen to music and it resonates with you is the most important thing. Right, right. One of the most amazing things about music, we, we've touched on this, is, is how it has the ability to evoke an enormous range of emotions. Um, is this from a scientific perspective simply also the fact that it has this effects on our nervous system or is this something different because you know music can make you angry um, as well as as make you you know pleasurable but it it really it just seems to go straight to the emotional centers doesn't it yeah and it it, it actually works with both the heart and the brain you know mm -hmm. in the emotional context you know our brain is more like our computer Right. And we have a storage of information in it. And based on our experiences, you know, music can evoke pleasure or it can evoke pain. This is called autobiographical memories. So music actually, you know, invokes or induces these autobiographical memories that are within us, um, as well as, you know, the heart and the heart's sense. You know, we're showing more and more through science that when we move to these elevated emotions, compassion, kindness, love, you know, caring, that our heart actually moves in smoother and more orderly rhythms. And so, again, when we're in those anger, uh, areas of frustration or anger, it's the other way around. So the rhythms are not orderly and they're not smooth. They're more jagged and they're more incoherent. So... You know, music, we're finding more and more that the emotional aspect of music is not just something, um, not, not just affecting our emotional or our mental state, but is also affecting our physical state as well. And, you know, they're really, for me, they're all, they're all affect each other, mm -hmm. you know. So when we're, um, when we're experiencing an, an emotional healing where we feel like we've released a block, or something that we might have been holding for years. So that might have occurred to you or a similar effect where you hear a piece of music and all of a sudden you start, um, you start releasing tears, you start crying. Yep. And you realize that, wow, I haven't processed um, grieving someone. And all of a sudden that comes through and you start crying and releasing. For me, that's a healing. Because anytime we can release a block in any of what I call the four bodies, so physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, it makes the room for those for our other body to react. So that could be an emotional healing that you're experiencing, but your physical body might feel like in that process. Your mental, you know, wow, you just feel like you've had a rite of passage where now something's happening mentally where that old energy is released and all of a sudden new energy is coming in. So I, I think that when we're working in this aspect with music, healing can occur on many, many different levels. And the heart and the brain are constantly communicating, you know, emotionally through emotions and our heart where we feel it. You know, as I said, it's, it's more of a feeling and intuitive intelligence with our heart and within our brain. It's more of our vast amount of records that are tied to music. 
you know, right. that are evoking those memories and they work together. Right. Right. I um I spoke a while back to to Roland McCready from HeartMath, and um, yes. one of one of the things that fascinated me there was the whole idea that that the heart can actually sometimes respond to stimulus and environmental factors way beyond the brain, and um, I, I guess that's probably one of the the ways that that because sometimes music kind of sneaks up on you. You you have the feeling it takes mm-hmm. you over well before your cognitive system has kind of checked in and knows what's going on so I I wonder if if that's that's you know part of the process there yeah and they're constantly going back and forth you know there's there's new studies that are showing when we're we're reaching these more coherent states which is what heart math is talking about we're also in our brain producing more alpha brain waves Mm -hmm. so as our heart slows down our brain is slowing down you know and vice versa one cannot be affected you know, without the other. And um, really that's the importance of that is really what, what um, excites me to talk about because we want to move to these states where we're not thinking as much, where our brains are not as occupied because that's where all the magic really occurs, right? And all the inspiration occurs when we can free our mind of some of that thought process and connect more to our heart and find a balance with those two intelligences, then it's really easier to access, you know, what I call our heart code, right? What are you here to do? What's your purpose on the planet? And uncovering this conversation that goes on between us and our heart, but you really have to start talking to it. Right. And we don't talk to our heart with conversation. You know, we talk to our heart through that more intuitive state. And that really only happens when we're moving out of that mind chatter. You know, when you get a feeling about something, well, this doesn't resonate with me. It makes me feel contracted. It makes me feel like I'm on a cold day or the other way around. You know, when a situation comes into your field and it feels expansive, you know, and your heart feels wide open. You know, that is the conversation with our heart. And when we begin to listen to that, we understand what's right for us and what's not right for us in terms of moving forward. And music is just really the easiest way. And and it's part of the conversation that I think needs to happen more so in the coherence community, you know, because there is this community that's really involved now about talking about reaching heart and brain coherence. But I feel that, one of the easiest tools to access that coherence is music. It can happen in seconds, you know, where we're moving to a state of love, we're moving to a, a state of compassion, or we're moving, you know, through a brain, to a brain state from beta, high beta to alpha. Mm-hmm. So, and we've shown this, you know, um, we've actually brain mapped people in Joe Dispenza events using, you know, a verbiage, um, Dr. Joe's guided meditation in conjunction with music and we're able to show that, you know, people are moving out of those high um, and faster brainwave states into a more calmer, coherent brainwave state, literally in seconds sometimes, through music and through verbiage and intention and moving an audience of, you know, 1,500 people into coherence in a few minutes. Think about the implications of that, you know, on a global level. And I think music is just a a tool to, you know, bond people together in a quicker fashion than normal traditional verbiage can be used. Right, right. Music also has like a, a counter effect, though. I mean, I, I find that that when you're sort of out in, in you know, like something in a shopping mall, for example, and there's all this kind of like piped music that actually I find it extraordinarily irritating. (laughs) I feel like like we're kind of bombarded from all sides with with very disruptive sounds. It's supposed to sound nice, but actually I find it just puts me on edge, especially when you have two conflicting loads of noise coming from, you know. what, why is this attractive to people? Why do they even go to that? Is there is there a kind of music that in as much as calms you and heals you makes you want to go buy stuff? I mean. <laughs> well, I, I think they're utilizing it to, you know, to mask some of that noise um, and that's going on. 
And also, you know, their hope, I think, is to trigger those memories that makes, especially around the, the Christmas season, right? right? Or, you know, to trigger those memories to get you more into the holiday spirit, right? And I know that in the U.S., I can't speak for other countries, but the holiday spirit is unfortunately really connected to buying gifts, right? For people, that's how we express some of that holiday spirit. <laughs> you know, so I, I think um, just as we utilize music as a vehicle um, to inspire, that there are, there, it is very easy to lead people into different senses with music. And that's why we have to become what I call the DJs of our own lives right. and not and on external sources um, or random experiences to have a experience. You know, this is where, you know, if you feel that way and you feel like, wow, that was, I was bombarded by sound and it wasn't very, um, it, it didn't feel good to me. When you get home, what can you do on your end to, you know, alter your experience to a more transformational experience with music? And, you know, that happens to us all the time. Traffic noises, right? Um, and for me, when I used to live in New York, I used to be in the Zen state, you know, um, before I went to my recording studio, which was 20 minutes, a 20 minute walk. And then when I walked out of my apartment to my studio, within that 20 minute walk, you know, there were sirens and trains and buses and, you know, people um, asking for money. And, you know, so when I got to my studio, um, I would not be in the same state as when I walked out. So the question becomes, what can we do to, to alter that experience and, you know, move to a more peaceful state? So what I did was I created a, um, a breathing technique that centered me moving from one state to the other. And I call it um, connecting to your internal symphony or your internal orchestra. So what I, what I did was I created this three breath process of placing my hands on my heart, bringing a breath in through the bottom of my feet and then releasing it through my heart. So this connects me to the energy of the divine mother, mm -hmm. right? Or the, those earth energies where we know we're supported, we're nurtured, we're taken care of. So I take a breath in through the bottom of my feet and then bring it up and release it through my heart, connecting to my upper energies which is the energy of the divine father. So this is the energy of the heavens, right? And surrendering um, that we don't have the answers to all of our questions and really connecting with that more intuitive mind. And I would bring a breath in through the top of my head and then release it through the heart. And then bringing a breath in through the heart and a breath out through the heart to integrate those energies. And I found that I could as I, I would listen to my heart, listen to my breath going out, it helped me uh, reconnect with my own unique vibration that was in my, in my heart. And that was calming to me. So connecting with the internal sounds. So if you like, we can do it, we can do it together. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, absolutely. Yeah, so um, again, it's a three breath process and you start by just gently placing your hands on your heart. And then you visualize that you're bringing a breath in through the bottom of your feet and then bringing it all the way up to the heart and then releasing it. So it would be something like this, bring the breath up all the way through the lower body and then release an audible sigh through the heart. Good, and as you release that breath, just allow yourself to feel your hands on your heart, feeling your own Heartbeat, feeling the vibration of your heart beating in your physical body. And then now bringing a breath in through the top of our head and an upper part of our body. Through the head, through the throat, and then releasing it through the heart again with an audible sigh. And then bringing a breath in through the heart and a breath out through the heart. So let's just do one more time. Bring a breath in through the bottom of the feet, up through the heart and release it. A breath in through the top of the head to the heart and release it. 
and a breath in through the heart and a breath out through the heart. And as you feel your hands on your heart and just tapping into the energy of this internal orchestra that's going on within your body, your heartbeat, your breath, your sigh out, we bring an awareness that no matter what's going on in your life, whatever distractions might be happening, whether it's a person, a place, a thing, a situation or event that has taken you out of your center because your heart is your center. Whatever that may be, that you can always come home to your own unique vibration that exists within you. No one can take that away from you because you have your own sound signature that exists within you that I call your heart code. And as long as you're breathing and you're able to hear your breath move in and out and feel your heartbeat, then you're able to bring yourself to this more coherent state anywhere, anytime, just take a few moments in your day and just recenter yourself. And you can use this process. It's called the, the heart song breathing process. Wow. I love that. I am definitely very relaxed now. <laughs> I don't want you falling asleep on me. Though. <laughs> no, 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 no chance of that. I actually even have tingles in my head. I love, oh, amazing. Um, Gosh, now I have to kind of refocus. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's what happens. That's you know, exactly what happens. That's the purpose of the exercise, isn't it? That's <laughs> the purpose of the exercise is to move more into the heart. And it really is about no one can take this vibration away from you. So as I said, when I would walk up those 20 blocks, I would move out of my center, even though my intention was strong when I created it. It's very easy to move out of your intention in your day. You know, and it might not be a 20 minute walk. You know, it might be you started your day with this great intention. And as you move into lunchtime, you notice that there was a series of events that took you out of your intention or took you out of your heart. And that could snowball into, you know, one of those days if you don't grab a handle of it mm-hmm. and use some tools to manage your energy. So this is just a great way to manage your energy. And it, it doesn't even have to happen through something outside of yourself, through listening to a piece of music. Um, it's really about first connecting to your internal music. And when you do that, when you connect with it, you experience you know, traditional music in a much more magnified and resonant way. So imagine listening to a song now after that experience, how you would receive it as opposed to receiving it in a busy state or stressed state. And that's really the whole point of it. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I really, really appreciate it. You're um, welcome. One of the things that I did want to ask you about was is if you go on YouTube, for example, there are loads and loads of music tracks there for people to relax to, to meditate to. And one thing that you see, or uh, two different terminologies, which I I know are very different, but I'd like you to address both of them, is that you see a lot of information where, or, or tracks, for example, where they say they're using binaural beats. Mm-hmm. Another thing that seems to be extraordinarily popular is um, pieces of music with the solfeggio tones in them. Right. Um, could you maybe explain a little what, what those two terms are? Because I, I know a lot of people have asked me, and I'm afraid I didn't know. So I said I was going to ask the expert. <laughs> yeah, I mean, binaural beats are really when we're targeting a specific brainwave state and we're introducing two separate frequencies, one in each ear. And the, the, the means between those is the targeted frequency. So, for instance, if you were um, wanting to move from a beta high fast brainwave state into alpha and say we were targeting eight hertz, which is in the range of alpha, okay, you might introduce a frequency of 110 hertz in one ear, 118 in the other, okay, and the difference between those is eight hertz, which would target that brainwave um, to entrain to the, the, the mean of that, of those two. Okay. And 
Um, that's what really what binaural beats are. It's targeting a specific brainwave state through the introducing two separate frequencies in the in different ears. Sometimes it's combined with music mm-hmm. um, and can be effective. And sometimes it's done on its own. So I've worked with um, a, an amazing company called Monroe Institute, who's one of the founders of HemiSync, which incorporates binaural beats. And they do it in a really beautiful way um, where you can... Um, you can utilize it within music, but you really, it doesn't take you out of the experience because they weave it in with the music so that it's not dissonant and it's very harmonic. And, you know, sometimes um, you, people can, you, I can hear binaural bees that don't always sound that way um, because it, like everything else, it can be easier to implement than, in, than to master. Right. Right. So my suggestion is always, again, listen to it, see if it resonates with you, see if it feels like it's taking you to that expansive state. And um, it's really the same thing with the solfeggio frequencies as well. And, you know, it's um, these are frequencies that are said to have been founded um, through ancient um, religion that they were connected to these lost frequencies that were used in a, in a very beneficial way thousands of years ago and they were refounded. Um, and so the connection, um, that people have said to experience is a, is a very high vibrational one, you know, where they're connecting to the essence of those frequencies. Now you have to really do your own diligence to decide whether you resonate with that or not. You know, um, whether you think they are the lost frequencies and they've been founded, whether you think they're beneficial to you. Again, it's for me, it's not just a panacea. Like I've, I have heard music that implemented these frequencies and I've had some some really beautiful experiences with them. And I've heard them implemented in music and I've have found them to be dissonant. So I don't think it's just a blanket statement where, yes, these frequencies are always going to be beneficial all the time. You know, I think it's going to be based on how they're incorporated in composition. Um, it's going to be based on the listener and what they're looking to achieve. You know, um, I mean, this, it's, really this, it's really the same approach to music all the way around, you know, is on certain days you might hear something and it might sound beautiful to you. On other days... You know, you might listen to it and you don't enjoy it at all. So it's really about utilizing your heart's energy and what feels right to you to connect to your heart and see if, if, if whatever you're listening to, when people ask you, you know, say, you know, listen to that piece of music. Every time you listen to something, there should be an individual thing with that piece of music that you're listening to. Um, because, you know, I'll give you an example. I call it musical nutrition. Right? It's similar to nutrition. So I might say, Tatiana, you have to eat broccoli because broccoli has been found to be very healthy, right? Just like I might say, these solfeggio tones have been, you know, founded to connect you to a beautiful experience or, you know, a high vibration. But if, for instance, you go and take allergy tests through your doctor and you find that you're allergic to broccoli, right? It's not going to be beneficial to you. And so it's the same thing. You know, um, when we're we're looking to create prescriptions for even for music, you have to ask yourself, is it good for me? Does it feel good to my soul? Right? This is where science and spirituality meet, right? Is it during, there might be science behind binaural beats, but if it doesn't feel good to me in the spiritual sense, then on a whole, it might not be beneficial to me. So it's taking the information that's out there, due diligence on it, see what is feels right to you, see what feels like it might just be urban legend, because there are a lot of urban legends out there, and making an, you know make an informed decision like you would about anything else. Right, right. Does that also hold true for the Schumann resonance? Do you think? Because that, that you would think should be universal by definition for, for people who don't know that's the well, it's really not of the earth. Well, that and that's constantly changing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Actually, that's a valid point. 
right? So that that frequency is not just set at that 7.83 frequency. It's changing. Um, it's it's and it has changed, you know. But again, what's the delivery mechanism of it? You know, are you are you utilizing it to move them in a more coherent state? We can't hear that frequency. It's below our hearing range. Right. You know, so how are you implementing it? How are you delivering that frequency? Are you doing it within music? Does that music feel good to you? Right. Again, it's not just a blanket thing of, okay, let's just tap into a frequency and expect it to be completely beneficial. You know, there's a, how loud are you listening to it? How, you know, there's a lot of factors that create a healing and transformational experience when we listen to music or we listen to tones and frequencies. You know, your, your house could be an array or, or a mess of things around it. And, um, you know, you might, some people have to clean their house before they enjoy listening to music. You know, and I'm serious, it's your environment as well. There's so many factors. So when we're talking about using music as a healing tool or specific frequencies, again, for me, it's just, it's a piece of the puzzle that can be beneficial, but it's not the whole, you know, so it's frequency, it's harmonics, it's composition, it's intention, it's emotion, you know, all of those things are going to have a factor. It's, it's your memories, you know, that, uh, again, that are being triggered by specific music, all of them are going to have a factor of how you receive music. So the most important thing is to decipher what you feels good in your body, right? And what feels good to you. And even that using that heart song breathing process that I did with you, asking yourself, doing that process and then asking yourself before you listen to a piece of music, did that feel contracting to me, that piece of music, or did it feel expansive? Mm -hmm. Did it make me feel that it like it was more dissonant or did it feel like I was more in harmony? You know, and the, this is how we find music that is beneficial for us beyond just recommendations or beyond other people prescribing them to us. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, you're actually getting a, a, if I understood correctly, a, a team of scientists in to, to have a look and investigate that. What, what's the, um, um, the process going to be? What are you going to be looking at the effects of music on healing? Yeah. I mean, my music is, is being used in, in several research studies that are on like in the process of, mm -hmm. um, and uh, there, it's geared towards the emotional aspects of it. There's also, um, there's also a study being used in a major cancer center that is, um, is looking at how music can be used beneficially in the sleep process. Because one of the challenges of moving through um, traditional cancer treatments and also through cancer in general is insomnia. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at music, how it could be used as a vehicle to help sleeping challenges while people are going through um, cancer treatments. And I also am um, um, creating more music for different things now as well, um, looking how music can be beneficial for our pets as well. Great. I love that. Yeah, we kind of forget about our fairy friends. And <laughs> yeah, and, you know, um, we're learning more and more about music pets and also our stress levels and how they're related to our pets. So long-term um, um, studies are now showing that cortisol, our long-term cortisol affects our pets' cortisol, their stress as well. So I'm looking at ways um, to create a more bonding experience with our pets through utilizing music. And, um, you know, that's been very exciting as well. There's lots of, you know, what's, what's great, Tatiana, is there's lots of new studies that are coming out that are geared towards music. Everything from how the chanting of OM um, can create limbic deactivation, which, you know, we, we obviously have known that um, OM could be beneficial in a spiritual sense for thousands of years, but they are now translating that into studies on the brain that are actually through fMRI studies showing that um, um, is creating that more peaceful state, you know, so, so, um, you know, new studies with Alzheimer's and showing how preferred music can be used. So playlists that are created specifically targeting um, personal preferences in those Alzheimer's patients before they had Alzheimer's are showing 
to have access to memories that could not be accessed through traditional language can be accessed through the traditional language of music. So um, Parkinson's, you know, we're seeing that more and more music can be used to uh, improve the gait. So that's the, how, how many steps that we're taking. And in Parkinson's, there's, there's um, a shuffle that can occur because part of our, um, our basal ganglia, which is geared towards our motor response, is not working as effectively in Parkinson's that music can actually be used to improve that. Wow. So, um, you know, these are all exciting new ways that music is being used, you know, um, medically that I've been talking about in medical conferences. Um, but, you know, again, I think it's a combination of tying that science in to what our spiritual purpose is as well. And where science and spirituality meld and are in crossroads is where we can use music and sound and vibration for transformation, you know, in our lives right. and really tapping into um, the energy of what, whatever it is that we're here to do. Right, right. One of the other things that I think of when I, when I um, think of music, because I, I was a very passionate dancer when I was younger, is, is the combination of movement with music, that those two things have always, since the dawn of time, gone together from, you know, uh, drumming um, all the way through to ecstatic dances and everything. Um, do you have any music in, in your repertoire which also has that movement component or...? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have um, two CDs out. They're called Ignite the Heart, Ignite the Heart series. I know Ignite that the Heart. very well. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Joe uses that a lot for, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza uses that a lot for um, activating the breath, you know, mm -hmm. in our physical bodies through our energy centers. So it, it's, um, it's music that is really inspiring it has a lot of big drums in it, a lot of um, chanting. It's combining the energy of, you know, earth and sky together. So you really get a full sonic experience that you could feel in your body. Mm -hmm. You know, and my background um, is, you know, I started out as a pop music producer. So I meld a lot of genres together. You know, I had, I did a lot of dance music um, when house music was first starting out in the late nineties, I mean, late, late eighties. I was there. In, yeah. <laughs> yeah. in the late eighties, you know, I was doing a lot of house music when hip hop came out, I was producing um, and working on a lot of hip hop music. So I combine a lot of genres and I, I think it's great to get up and move um, and also utilizing drums. You know, we're showing more and more, um, studies as well and research that when people are in drumming circles and they're actually taking a more active role drumming that again they're moving to those those trance states where their mind's not as active and they're producing more of the you know alpha theta brainwave states and this is where you you know you're tapping into new creative ideas you know i think that um einstein you know really really understood the aspects of how music could be used as a tool for creation. And when he would get stuck, you know, in his mind and, and hit a, a creative block, he would pick up his violin and play, um, play his violin. He was a violin player. And his daughter um, reported in her memoirs that he, she would hear him from the other room saying, I got it. <laughs> you know, so in those States where he was connecting um, you know, to something beyond himself, you know, and, and just really allowing the music to clear his mind, he would move through emotional um, or creative blocks that were, was holding him back. And, you know, I think that's really where we are now is that we're understanding that even the, the most brilliant scientific minds understand that we, we can connect to something beyond ourselves and we don't have to call it God. We don't have to call it the universe. You can call it nature. You call it whatever you want. It's really just knowing that we have an unlimited field of potential that we can tap into and that we can access that field, you know, and music is one of the prime ways to access that field of unlimited possibilities. And when I'm in my creative space, you know, that's what I'm inviting in, you know, something beyond myself and I'm moving into that meditative state 
in the process of composing where I can connect to that field. Um, and it's what I call divine collaborations, you know, is bringing, that. yeah, bringing that in. And it's not just for musicians, it's bringing it into anything you want to create, you know, whether it's a, a business plan, whether it's a website, you know, whether it's creating your day, you know, or creating your life, it's tapping into something beyond yourself and inviting it in to walk with you on your path, you know, whether it's in the moment, in the day or in your life, you know, it's a way, it's a way of being that, you know, will expand, you know, your life into a more transformative state. Absolutely. I, I always thought it was kind of a shame that we didn't come with a with a, a soundtrack. I mean, I really think that life should be played to a soundtrack, you know. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and that's the whole thing. Is that's that we the whole can, thing, yeah. We can, you know, and that's my book talks a lot about, you know, creating playlists for different emotional states. You know, so like I have a playlist for gratitude, mm-hmm. right, that, that is combining Sly and the Family Stone, right? <laughs> thank you for letting me be myself, right? Uh, Karen Drucker, thank you for this day's spirit. Dido, thank you. And, you know, musical pieces that put me into a state of gratitude so that when I'm not having a great day and I'm having a challenge, that I can utilize this to create um, transformation in my life. And, you know, if you go a step further, and you say, wow, how do I create my own music program? You know, for listeners out there, how do I create my own music programs? Think about doing that three times of your day. You know, just like you nourish yourself in the morning for breakfast, and then you, you know, are reincorporating, bringing food into your system for lunch, and then finishing your day and winding down with dinner. You know, we can do this musically. You know, what breaks your fast (laughs) of being in silence, right? right? After you wake up, what song are you really going to use to start your day? You know, and and looking at your schedule, you know, you you might start it and you want to be in a more peaceful state or you might have an important meeting that you're in a leadership role for and you want to ignite your energy. What one song is going to put your day in motion? And then, you know, during lunchtime, I think about it as the same thing. Okay, well, I ate breakfast, but now I'm hungry again. I, I, need to, um, I need to revitalize my body. What song revitalizes you in the middle of your day to either move through anxiety and stress? Or maybe, you, again, you need to get up and move some energy because you feel stagnant or you feel too relaxed, right? Or you feel like you're in a low energy state. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening, what song is going to bridge my day into my night so I can wind down because I think so many of us go from being that type A personality, right? And we're, we're, you know, we're enjoying being on our social networks and there's a lot of engagement, which I think is great, but are you, are you giving yourself time to process your day? You know, look at what your challenges are, look at what your gifts are, give yourself an hour you know, before you move into your sleep state where you can wind down with a peaceful piece of music, you know, like my, my series Ambiology is great for doing that because it, it's going to bring your heart to a more relaxed state and slow your breathing down. Um, and just really give yourself time to bridge so that you're not waking up in the middle of the night because you haven't processed or thought through your day. Right. right? And you're waking up in the morning with the same things from the day before. You know, so if you give yourself an hour to to really unwind with music and process your day, you're going to find that, you know, your sleeping challenges are going are going to lessen, you know, through that. And also, you know, your circadian rhythms, which are how our body and, you know, is adapting to our sleeping challenges or changes, you know, in, a, in our system are going to be more in sync so that you can sleep better. So it's really easy to implement your own musical program, you know, just again, three times a day, morning, lunch, and evening, you know, bring in three pieces of music to start your program and just keep expanding on that every day. 
great, uh, fabulous. I, d- I don't understand how people can live without music. There are people out there who really do go through days and days and days without actually actively listening. I, I certainly couldn't do that. And I love that approach with the hour of music in the evening, certainly much healthier than knocking back half a bottle of red in order <laughs> to uh, to try and take out the stresses of the day. That's absolutely marvellous. Barry, where can people get in touch with you if they want to know more about you and discover your wonderful... I can't believe any there are people out there who haven't heard your music, but just in case. There are, yeah. So <laughs> if you're listening and you haven't, you know, you can um, listen. To, you can find me at barrygoldsteinmusic.com. Uh, I'm also... Uh, I have some music on Spotify. Um, I have music on YouTube. And for people who want to purchase music, you know, on iTunes, Amazon, um, CD Baby, and, you know, um, and, and really giving listeners a final thought is, is to really move beyond using music in random experiences. And um, like everything else, in order to really see that transformation and change, it comes through creating a program and it comes through creating momentum. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who haven't started creating your music program on a daily basis, you know, make a commitment to yourself to at least utilize music once in your day, you know, to, to shift your mood or to shift your vibration into a, a, into a more optimal state. And when you start with those small steps, you know, and make that commitment to yourself, I know that you're going to find um, music is going to be a more powerful tool than it already is in your life, no matter how much you're using it. Absolutely. And I would really dearly love to acknowledge you for your work. I, I love what you're doing. I think you've taken this whole discussion to a whole new level and um, and the, the power of music to, to move us, to heal us, uh, to soothe us, to do to open up our minds and our consciousness, I think is, is amazing. So thank you for doing such wonderful work and uh, keep doing it because <laughs> you thank have a you. lot of very loyal fans, one sitting right here. <laughs> well, I want to thank you too, because it's all about creating awareness, you know, and I'm sure that um, probably what inspires you is bringing this awareness to people and, you know, and, and, through different teachers, you know, and different ways, and through, I'm sure, your own message as well. You know, we're increasing awareness. So thank you. Thank you for having the show. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. <laughs> and, um, and for those who don't know about you, I would love to help get that out as well. So That's we can... wonderful. See, mutual <laughs> fan club. Exactly. Great. Barry, I know our time is over and uh, I also took too much of it anyway by getting no. a little wrong, but I have three very quick questions, which I ask sure, sure. all of my guests. And that's um, London Heal is all about mind, body, spirit, medicine. And I like to um, encapture that in the idea of health, happiness and serenity. So for you personally, what does the word health mean? Well, to me, health means the whole. You know, so incorporating our four bodies, our, our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies, and really looking at, at that, you know, you know, on a daily basis, you know, of which, which one of those feels like it needs the most attention today, you know, and through doing that and through creating that awareness, we create, you know, and are aware of more of that whole, and we move more towards health in doing so. Great. And what about happiness? What does Barry do to get happy? And do you even think pursuing happiness is important? Um, you know, I don't know if I pursue it per se, but, you know, I think connected to happiness for me, the biggest word is joy. Um, you know, I learned to um, really kind of decipher what I like versus what really brings me to a state of joy because there is a difference. You can like something, but it, you know, it might not bring you joy. And I just do more of the things that bring me joy. As I get older, I've been able to fine tune that more and more. Well, does it bring me joy? You know, and I know that composing music brings me joy. And so I know that I have to do that in my day, you know, somewhere in my day, I have to be composing or, or producing music. And, you know, as that joy creates more momentum on a daily basis, I think overall we move to a, a state of happiness because we're doing what brings us to that state of joy. Great. 
And the last one is serenity. We've really basically talked the whole hour about achieving serenity through through music. But do you have any other practices that you do during the day to turn down the noise in you in the head? Yeah. I, again, I, I hate to bring up um, to pets so much, but um, you know, for me, I love like walking my dog and just kind of connecting and and petting him and having this uh, interaction because I moved to a calmer state through, through that. And I think our animals give us so much unconditional love. That's such a great way to access serenity, you know, and also access joy. So for me, you know, beyond music, which I do find a lot of serenity in, um, when I'm walking my dog, I'm also in nature. And nature and unconditional love together, you know, just really, you know, create that serenity, serenity for me. So absolutely. What can get better than that? Nothing. (laughs) That's right. That's what I think. Barry, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Same here. And thank you for the great questions and your great insights as well. Thank you. And so, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Barry as much as I did. Uh, Music for the soul, absolutely for the spirit, and for healing, which is, I think, a really exciting aspect of it. Sound healing and sound therapy is something that we know has existed for a long time. But I think what Barry's doing is taking this all to an absolute next level and fascinating work and something which is very exciting. And I seriously suggest that you get in and have a look um, on his website or all the links that he mentioned and have a tune in and listen to his wonderful wonderful work and also of course copy of the book and Barry just told me that he's also releasing a new CD so keep an eye out for that and if this episode was of interest to you and you may think it's of interest to others please pass it on share shamelessly as we always say and also If you would like extended show notes for future episodes of London Heal, then please pop over to our website, that's londonheal.com, get on our mailing list, and every time there's a new episode published, you'll receive a newsletter with the links and, of course, the extended show notes. Also, please rate and review us on any podcast platform that you listen to, especially on Apple Podcasts, to help us get our message out there. And... That leaves me, as always, to wish you health, happiness, and serenity.